WWT presents Meet the Chief. Hi, I'm Tracy Sever. I lead global security strategy and go-to-market here at Worldwide Technology. I am thrilled to be joined today in our very first episode of Meet the Chief by Sanjay Berry. Sanjay is the CEO and founder at Netscope, which is a leader in the extremely hot space of SASE and SSE. Thank you so much, Sanjay, for being with us today. Thanks, Tracy. Thanks for having me on. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for being here. So you have built an incredible organization, Netscope, and are truly a pioneer and leader in the SSE and SASE space, which has been hands down the big, biggest disruptor in security that we've seen in the last decade. Can you share with us what you're seeing in the market today and what you anticipate in the next 6, 12, 18 months? Absolutely. So first of all, you said disruptive and one of the biggest markets. You know, this old market used to be called data network security. It used to be, you know, it'll be a $30 billion TAM by 2026. There's hundreds of billions of market cap that used to be in this area. All of that market cap and that TAM is moving to what is called SASE. It really is the evolution of um, network data security uh, in the new way people work now, remote, mobile, and cloud. And so what we're seeing is that that migration to a SSE, a SASE architecture is becoming a de facto vision for companies. You'd go into the large financial services before, they'd say, hey, we're, we're cloud last. We want everything on-prem. We want, now I walk into that room and they say, Sanjay, I know we told you that, but no, we're, we're swimming upstream there. Cloud, mobile, direct internet, remote work, it's happening. SSE is the answer from a network security perspective. And so we're moving to that architecture. Now, are they all gonna move 30 days? They're gonna stair-step their way into it in some verticals and others they're gonna go all in. But um, what I'm seeing is just the acceleration of the movement, the realization it's a de facto architecture, and then the realization that they need help. They need partners like WWT to help them along the way. And then they need a great platform behind that, like Netscope, so that they can achieve what they know is a fait accompli. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're, we're seeing that day in and day out. And quite frankly, it kind of, it feels like we've arrived. I know five years ago when we walked into that room, we had to do a lot of kind of convincing that, you know, remote work was here today and we had to prepare for it. Looking ahead in the next five years, we're on the cusp of an AI explosion. And I know you've talked a lot about AI, it's built into your platform, but can you give us your perspective on AI and what's to come? It's funny to say that. So last week I was touring the Southeast and I hit about 40 customers and we got in front of a big 100 CIOs and 100 CISOs at some events, we did a keynote. And I will tell you half of those conversations, whether it was a CIO or a CISO, and even an infrastructure and ops person, although less so on the infrastructure ops side, they were like, Sanjay, my board is telling me we got to use AI. Yet, guess what? What? We block it all. <laughs> and, and so their point is, how do we enable this? I mean, I have to enable it. Just like cloud, you can't fight it. It's there. Get on board and figure out how to secure it and enable it. Same thing with generative AI and AI. And so that's what we do. It's the same toolkit we use to secure and enable cloud, right? The granular proxy, the data protection, the capability to have close to the end user infrastructure. It's the same toolkit that can secure Gen AI. And so when I'm sitting in front of that CIO and he says, wait a minute, you're telling me I can say only use the corporate instance of ChatGPT. And when they write a query, which has my source code or my sensitive data, you can stop it and coach the user not to do it, but let all the other queries through. 
yes, you can do that now. Their minds are blown. And the reality is that there are ways to enable AI securely. That's what everybody wants to do. And then on the other side, use it within your own platform. So we use and have used AI for a decade for better efficacy, for data protection, for threat protection, detecting network anomalies. And so I view it as, you know, one, use it in our platform to enable better efficacy um, across all of these things, two, use it to enable customers to use it, right? And so those are both both sides of the coin. Yeah, no, it, it's such an interesting topic because when you when you address it, it's, do I talk about it as a tool or as a threat? And it's walking that fine line between understanding it where you can leverage it for your needs and also protect against the risks that it imposes. So um, that's so so interesting to hear about and, and to get your perspectives on. Changing gears. So you are a well-documented culture champion. So the culture that you've built at Netscope, it drives so much of the success that you achieve today. And that's something that's extremely important to us as well at WWT. Can you talk a little bit about who you are as a person, Sanjay, where you came from, and then how that has influenced the culture of the organization that you've built? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, you said the word culture. And for me, I hold that very dear to my heart. I'm a big believer that um, in our industry and in any industry, you want to build a company with a culture that you believe in, in your heart. And I believe in an open, collaborative, transparent culture, but that is innovative, right? It doesn't mean that we don't disagree, but we dialogue in it, and we power forward. And, and I've always felt that, you know, ultimately people want to work in a place that's like that. Um, and uh, that's why we drive the culture that we drive. The other big piece for us has been Ultimately, when you look at that culture and you look at your partners, you want them to have that similar culture. And that's what we feel WWT has. It has that similar culture, that same concept of how do I innovate? How am I collaborative? How can I be open and beyond? And so for us, when we hire, when we metric our people, when we look at our partners, we look at culture as a big, big piece of it. Because Netscope will be here in 10 years and we'll be called Netscope and we'll be doing the same thing um, from a culture perspective that we are doing. And so if you want to build a company to last, um, culture is super, super important for that. Yeah, thanks so much for that insight, Sanjay. It's amazing how much culture plays a part in the success of an organization and, and building high performance teams. So to be honest, sitting with you here today, it's a little bit of a, a pinch me moment as you're the CEO of Netscope. I know for so many of us, when we're working hard, climbing towards our goals, we don't always take a moment to look around and see how far we've actually come. You've had such an extremely impressive career. Can you remember the moment when you thought to yourself, well, I've made it? <laughs> That's a good question. Well, first of all, I mean, a part of our culture is to be kind of very self-aware and also, you know, kind of very humble. And, and so for us, um, so it was nice of you to say that's a pinch me moment because it shouldn't be. <laughs> so um, if I was meeting my, you know, my favorite basketball player, that would be a pinch me moment for me. <laughs> so I, I never I never did well in basketball. So um, the uh, even though I tried. But so I grew up just so you know, I grew up in Canada and Toronto. Uh, my, my first job was kind of 10 years delivering papers. Then I helped my mom as she was a Avon Regal Amway salesperson. Only later did I realize I spent the childhood at the bottom of a Ponzi scheme, by the way. But um, as I grew up um, from that beginnings, my dad, you know, grew up, lived in a YMCA. And so for me, I remember at 17 or 18, I landed in Seattle with a suitcase 
and I was going to go work at Microsoft. And I'm like, okay, what is this place? Um, that was my second job after working in the IT help desk uh, at, and during high school to get enough money to go to university. And um, I remember working on the first version of Microsoft Office. I worked on the first version of uh, IE. Uh, the person beside me was putting Doom in Excel. And that was my beginning of understanding there's a lack of security in this industry, by the way. But as I grew, um, I realized and, you know, moved around and ended up in the Bay. Um, I realized, wait, you know, I can actually help my family. I can provide for them, for example. And um, and that's kind of, to be frank, I know it sounds kind of odd that that's when he made it. But I'm like, yeah, you know, ultimately, many people think that they made it when they can be independent, they can be self-sufficient and they can help others. And that's kind of when I knew, wow, okay, I'm at a stage, thankfully, worked hard that I could help my family, I could help others. And then I could have my own family uh, where I could, you know, properly raise a daughter and all the rest. And so that's kind of when I knew in my own mind, I made it. The rest was really about my passion, which is, you know, I want to have an impact in the industry. This morning, I kicked off one of our global SE summits in North America. And I said, there's six things you'd love. When, if you, your professional dream, we all have a personal dream, but your professional dream, you, you know, you would want a great team and culture. Right? That's what you'd love. You'd love to be in a market where you built a platform, not a product. You want every day the trends are in your favor, right? You want a massive TAM, right? And you kind of just go down the big barrier to entry. Um, that's what we have it. That's go, right? And it's kind of, uh, it's a professional dream to be in that bullseye where the world's going. And so while we know in our own minds, like we made it because we could provide for our family and others and so on a long time ago, we always strive for more because that's what we, you know, we're innovative, we're passionate, we want to have an impact. Um, and so for us, our bar at Netscope is to be the most impactful cyber networking company in the world. And we view ourselves in the early innings. We're 3,000 people. Half our people are in R&D. Um, we focus on delivering the best innovation and platform and we'll never stop. And we'll never think in our own minds that we made it because part of driving forward is never being complacent and never thinking, wow, I hit an end goal. So we're going to view ourselves always in the first inning, second inning, first period, first quarter, whatever sport you like. I, that was the first thing I was going to say. I was like, you're very much a business athlete. And I, in, in so many of the high performing individuals we talk to, it's, it's, you have to look at it with that mindset where every time, uh, every time we enter a, a new game, get in front of a, a new person start, you know, delivering a new product. It's, you know, the, the buzzer rings and, and we start over again. So that's, that's exciting. And I also hear very much from your sentiments that um, a lot of it really comes from supporting your family and building something. So uh, very, very great to, to get to know that, that little bit about you. Um, onto the, the business side of things, given your role in the organization, your, you know, clear, deep, security background, you're involved in some of the most topical and vital conversations in the industry. If you could distill down the top three priorities that you're hearing in boardrooms, um, can you share with us a little bit about, about what's bubbling up to the top? Yeah, so I, I have the opportunity to present actually in boards sometimes. You know, uh, someone may invite me in to just talk to their board. And, and as you know, many times when you're on a board, you're not selling, you're, you're just contributing to you know, the community, you're trying to help them impartially. And as a result, you kind of build uh, trust and brand. And, and I'd say there's three big conversations at a board level that are related in many cases to, um, you know, IT and beyond. I mean, first of all, AI and ML is obviously a conversation. Let's put that on the side. But, you know, one 
let's be frank, reduce risk. That's how they think about it. You're in an audit committee, you think about reducing risk. What does that mean? Well, how do I reduce my risk of data exposure? How do I reduce my regulatory risk and the risk of being fined? How do I reduce the risk of, frankly, this company showing up on front page and the board and the CEO being in trouble and violation of, you know, how do I reduce my risk, right? Um, that's one. The second is, you know, how do I increase my agility? Meaning, look, these, you know, if you want to survive in today's world and you want to innovate, you got to be agile. And the reality is the fait accompli of cloud, mobile, remote was agility. I'm going to cloud because that's where the apps that let me be productive and mobile are. I'm going to let people work remote because you know what? That's the way the world is turning and that's the culture I want. And so I think is agility is the second big piece. And, you know, a big piece for us is how do we enable that agility with, you know, this, the world's largest network, new edge cloud network, faster response times, better user experience. It's about agility. Oh, wow. I can use cloud. I can use AI. Beautiful. I unleashed it in my company. I unleashed agility. That's the second one. And the third is, let's be frank, how do I lower my costs? Right. And that is around convergence. Why am I buying 10 separate tools when I can converge into something that is in our case, an SSE or SASE architecture, in other cases, something else. And how do I have lower operating expense? So this is an, something easier to operate. And so it's, you know, reduce my risk, increase my agility and reduce my cost. Those are the three things that we're talking about um, at a board meeting. And under those, you'll have these top of mind topics like, oh, what am I doing with AI and ML? What am I doing? But they fit under those three buckets. Yeah. And you're you're in such an interesting position where I think in the past when SSE and SASE were very new to the market, it was almost like living on this razor's edge between agility, function and security. But as your platform has become more robust, um, the new edge network being as stable as it's as robust as it is, you've turned that into a fully functional operational highway. <laughs> so it's it's a very interesting position to be in. And it's been pretty amazing to see that evolution of the space. Yeah, it has. In fact, I, I remember one of my, um, so last week I was sitting with a CISO of a large organization and he said, Sanjay, you know, look, we bought you because you have this amazing functionality to protect web and SaaS and, and my, you know, replace my VPN with private access. But, you know, my head of infrastructure ops and my end user said, hey, why are things faster when we enabled you? And that is more and more one of the big things happening in the industry is the convergence of networking and security. It's a beautiful reasons why WWT is so well positioned because you talk to both and you have relationships with both and you understand both sides of the coin. And the reality is that um, they are the same in the sense of with these conversations, one of the big values we're bringing is, look, we are accelerating the end user experience. And we are in many cases, their new network. And I remember this person said, hey, it's like I went from a standard definition TV to a 4K when I turned you guys on. That is so you know beautiful to hear from uh, heads of infrastructure operations, networks, and then the CISOs who, who want to make sure that uh, both sides of the coin are on board. Absolutely, absolutely. It's, it's, it's incredibly impactful to the business, um, what you guys are doing. I want to talk a little bit about technology and and kind of how we've evolved over time and, and some of the steps that we can take to, to move things along even quicker. So I'm going to give you a statistic that I found shocking and I, I probably shouldn't have. But according to Gartner, by 2026, 10 percent of large enterprises will have a comprehensive, mature and measurable zero trust program in place up from one percent today. 
And I, I really found that shocking because we've been talking about this for 13 years. Yeah. So, and I, I know it's it's more of a, it's an architecture, it's a guiding point. Um, so it's not necessarily that you buy something and it's over, but what, what do you think would be helpful for organizations as far as bite-sized, you know, chunks they can take out of zero trust to make yeah. it um, easier to adopt? Yeah, so first, um, the reality is to implement a proper zero trust architecture, you need the right technical components. I mean, you need obviously policies and um, the notion of, okay, what does it actually mean to be in this least privileged architecture? But I think there is that inertia. People are, yes, we want to move to a least privileged architecture. We want to move to a zero trust architecture, but then you need the core technical components. And to be frank, they didn't exist before. Um, and one of the core components is, and this is a little technical, but most of the internet today is based off of what is called APIs and JSON. It's not based off the traditional web-based put gets, I call it layer seven in the old days. 99% of all of what you have, probably 100% of what people have is based on the old world, right? It's based on the notion that the internet is, you know, a bunch of put gets and I can interpret what it does that way. Well, the world moved on. 80% of the internet is now not based on that language. It's based on layer eight above that APIs. And so the problem is you have no ability to implement a zero trust architecture if you don't understand the language of the internet. And so the first thing that I tell people to do is when you are implementing zero trust, you need to have the most granular understanding of what the transaction is. To do that, you need what is called a layer eight proxy, something that natively understands API JSON. That's what we actually patented uh, seven years ago. And that will let you say, wait, no, I, I do want them to use BARD or ChatGPT, but no, I don't want them to use it with sensitive data. And I don't want them to use it with a non-corporate instance. And yes, I want them to use uh, this website, but no, I don't want them to be posting sensitive content on it. Or yes, you can use Microsoft Teams, but no, you can't chat on a public channel on a non-corporate instance with sensitive credit card data. Like that is not a block or allow architecture. That's a, okay, I'll let you do specific things and put guardrails around it. To do that, you fundamentally need to change your proxy architecture to be a layer eight proxy. Without it, you have no hope of achieving true zero trust. The second is you need the ability to have an open ecosystem. I'm a big proponent that there is no one security platform. There is no one networking platform. These things need to work well together. And so we developed what's called a cloud exchange where you can integrate and exchange risk scores of your end users and devices so you can have a true assessment across identity, endpoint, SASE, you know, and your SIM of what is the risk of this user and then put it in policy dynamically. And the same thing on the other side where you're going, your app or your website. And so my view is for zero trust to do it properly. You got to have the right tools in your toolkit. You got to get a layer of proxy. You have to have great data protection. You need to have an open platform where you have dynamic scoring of your users and your devices and the same thing your apps. You stitch that together, you have really implemented a proper zero trust policy. And so I start there with everyone has good intentions, but do you have the right platform architecture components and mindset of being open to truly enable it? So no, thank you for that, you know, in-depth but high level enough yeah. discussion around zero trust because it is something that's so hard for people to wrap their their arms around, especially when it, 
you know, we think of it very strategically, but sometimes you have to be very tactical in how you approach oh, it yeah. and you can start making, you know, steps in your maturity. So that kind of leads me into my next question. And, and this is really for, for everyone here, because I'd venture to guess that all of our listeners, they know Netscope, but you guys have made some massive strides in the last year um, to differentiate yourself specifically in the SSE space. Um, can you talk to me about how you guys have evolved over time from, you know, that very well-known CASB into what you are today, which is a, you know, a full-fledged platform? Um, and yep, yep. share this a little bit about that. Absolutely. So the first thing to remember is when we were started nearly 11 years ago, the napkin on which we were drawn was a napkin, um, is, was literally, we want to take all internet traffic, egress internet traffic and on-prem traffic and apply a common set of security services. Um, and so our vision was much broader than, you know, SaaS or CASB, but we chose SaaS in the beginning to apply our technology to, we built the first layer eight proxy 10 plus years ago, DLP was always there. We applied it to SaaS because we said, that's the hardest problem, right? A website is just a dumb SaaS app. And so if we can solve it for a SaaS app, we can solve it for the websites. Your on-prem app is a mix of kind of a SaaS web app. We can apply it to that. And so really our vision really was SASE or SSE. Now, being self-aware about four or five years in, I realized, wait a minute, it isn't just security. I need to have the network people say, I don't know what they do security-wise, I wanna be on their network. And that was a big thing that we did around five years ago. And now we have the world's most performant connected network in the world. 10 milliseconds away from anybody, it's the most peered security network in the world contains all our functionality. Um, and so I'd say like, if you look at just the evolution of Netscope, it has been this convergence of network security with the world's largest network infrastructure, the ability to deliver all services everywhere globally. Data protection, we're known as sort of the best at finding, understanding, protecting your data. In addition to that, being able to truly give you the tools for a zero trust implementation and architecture. And then more recently, what we've done is we have expanded that uh, framework as well to incorporate one uh, over 50 machine learning models in our data protection to solve some of the hardest problems from a threat perspective in a similar way, applied some of the hardest threat detection problems using our 100 data scientists. That's every day they just work and focus on threat detection, prevention, complementing your EDR. And then, of course, we recently introduced for us, full SASE, meaning the um, release of our borderless SD-WAN available both as hardware, small as a mouse and or as big as what you'd like, but also on your endpoint. So you have one converged client that can do endpoint DLP, all the SWIG, CASB, VPN steering, can do coaching and can do endpoint SD-WAN. You have one network, the world's largest network, which contains all those services in real time, including all the machine learning, AI, DLP and threat algorithms, behavior analysis, you know, firewall capabilities. And then you have one analytics system, which allows you to truly perform analytics um, and real-time policy on. So, you know, true convergence um, and spreading across SASE, that's really what we've been focused on. And, you know, like I mentioned, half my company is R&D. So you may feel, what, half your company is R&D? It's true. Half of our people are in R&D. We, we go to market through partners, all right? That's our focus. We surround them with great sales and SEs and, you know, enablement, but our focus is deliver the best 
SASE platform. And, and that's really what we've focused on. Yeah, no, and I think that's a, a fantastic strategy, just given how quickly this particular space is moving. It seems that every three months there's a new feature that has now become table stakes, right? So it's to keep up with the demands of moving an entirety of a security stack over to the, the cloud edge. Um, you've got to constantly be innovating. So thank you. Thank you, Sanjay, for going over all of that. Before we wrap up here today, Sanjay, first, I want to thank you so much for being with us. This has been really enlightening and uh, been so fun to talk with you. Are there any parting thoughts that you want to share both with the folks, you know, internally at WWT that are listening to us, as well as many of our, our customers, clients that, that are here with us today? Yeah, I mean, I think a couple of things. One, I did want to say a big thank you. It's a one to WWT. Um, and, you know, frankly, we are a very self-aware company. We're constantly taking in feedback. And I think our partners are the ones who give us a lot of great feedback. Could be on our business model, could be how we can enable them better, could be on a specific platform product functionality. And then same with customers, prospects, and others is we love that feedback, right? We're a very open company. And so, you know, a big thank you to everybody because in some way you're participating to building what we hope will become the most iconic cyber network company out there. And so we're very appreciative of that. The second is, you know, the realization that look, Netscope will be Netscope. I'll be here in 10 years running Netscope. And um, for us, building a relationship with Netscope is not a drive-by thing. It's it's same thing with us building a relationship with WWT. We, we view these things as long-term partnerships because we'll be here, right, for the long-term and, uh, and leading that industry. So that's the other perspective I have. And then the third that I think is super important, you know, for all of us to remember is that you know, we are in the right culture, working very open collaboratively. We are having a good impact on the world and we're all fighting, in my view, the good fight, right? We're, we all kind of are collaborating to fight you know, some really bad criminals and attackers and, uh, and insiders. And so in the industry, you know, making sure that together we're not mudslinging, we're not throwing dirt at each other. We're kind of like, look, let's do this the right way, right? Let's focus on what we do Let's base it on reality. And, and in many cases, let's try to drive open standards. Um, I'm a big, big believer in that. And so anyways, those are some parting things. Um, and I'm super excited, obviously, about um, what's to come. Wonderful. We are too. Thank you so much, Sanjay, for joining us today. That wraps up our first episode of Meet the Chief. Thank you so much again and for your time. And then more importantly, for your partnership. Great. Thanks, Tracy.